love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, I see you've got some fancy new merch on today. I do, Alyssa. I am wearing my brand new women's sports fan club sweatshirt hoodie. You know, it does have a hood. Um, I'm feeling quite fashionable and cozy on this uh, winter-ish November day in Montana. But uh, yeah, this is our new merch for for the holiday season. Perfect timing. Such good timing to get your favorite women's sports fans, some women's sports fan club merch. Um, They have really cute stuff. I love the hat. I definitely ordered the hat. I saw that Chelsea Sodaro also got herself a hat. And if you saw that on her Instagram and it says watch women's sports, it's cool. Um, they have some sweatshirts, hoodies, all nice and like oversized. Cause I think that's in style right now. Right. Haley. I just depend on the feisty women to like, kind of show me what's the most in at any given time. I think, I think oversized Gen Z is into oversized. I'm also into oversized. I feel like it, it harkens back to my nineties, uh, swim meet days, which everything is the nineties are like in style now. Right. And so I'm like, yes, I love it. Cause I, I, I mean, I was so fashionable in the nineties. And now I feel like I'm, I'm right there, but they did a great job. Yeah. I love the hat. It also reminds me of like the hat. Like I think, you know, that Taylor Swift has been seen wearing through customs when she goes to Argentina and Brazil. And, um, so it's, you know, in style, but also a great message to watch women's sports. And we are, we are huge women's sports fans here at the, at the iron women podcast. And so if you want to show your love, head to womensperformance.com uh, forward slash fan club, and you can see everything there is to offer. There's multiple colors, sizes, uh, a few different designs, and there's probably something that, you know, will fit either you or the sports, the women's sports fan in your life. There is. And Haley, with all of that, I'm doing getting, usually I actually am done my holiday shopping by this time, but I admit I'm behind the ball this year. And so I've been cracking down, trying to get busy on my holiday shopping. And I came across another feisty deal that I think is one everyone should take advantage of and get some stocking stuffers with try hard because I have been using Haley since um, I was swimming all the time for one water. I've been using try hard's eye gel and I love it. I think it's like very, just the practice of putting it on, I find very soothing because they have this ceramic stone applicator. You like squeeze it out and you use the stone applicator to just kind of rub it under your eyes. And it feels so nice. You do it before and after you swim. And I think it does help with the goggle marks that we all try not to have exist, right? So you can go so into you- the office, you can go grocery shopping and look like fresh as a daisy. Yeah, I, I haven't tried it yet, but you actually put it on before you swim and you don't have any issues with your goggles leaking or anything like that. No issues with my goggles leaking. And I I was worried about that at first. I was like, is it going to like somehow get in my eye? Is it going to like make my goggles move around? But I noticed you, I put it on with time. Usually when I'm like driving actually to the pool, I start putting it on because I keep it in my, like the cup holder of my car. So that way I remember to put it on. So that way it's dry, right? When I'm putting my goggles on. And then when I get out of the pool, I'm like driving to my next destination. I put it on after my after application. And then I think it helps. Um, and, you know, I feel like it's like the perfect little thing to get for someone in their stocking stuffer. I think my sister will get it because my sister just recently started swimming laps. Oh, you've inspired her. But yeah, no more goggle lines. Thanks to the try hard eye gel. And right now, try hard is having the biggest sale of the year. They get you can get 30% off site-wide. And if you're a feisty listener, you get an extra 5% off with the exclusive code feisty at tryhard.co. So that you can get the, the uh, eye gel or any of the other great swim products there. Help yourself, uh, your skin and your hair and your body feel nice and fresh before and after all your swims that you're doing uh, during this like shoulder season when I know a lot of people are swimming. I mean, it's a good time to work on your swim. So, but also a good time to take care of your skin. Cause look, I mean, if you're in the Northern hemisphere, the winter air is a little harsh too. That's very, very true. I have to agree with that. And Haley, you know, we were talking, I feel like maybe we should just do a whole episode on like gifts 
triathlon related gifts we can give people um, to kind of fill up those stockings and under the tree with the presents that every triathlete wants. And one of the ideas we had was the drawings. What would we call those? The cartoon women that are like so fun and cute. Yeah, I used this as a gift last year and had uh, Julie Bartolotto, who we had on the show, I think about a year ago. She's a Brazilian triathlete and she does these digital drawings, uh, cartoon drawings, and you can send a picture of your favorite triathlete like in their kit and then she'll turn them into a cartoon. And um, I just think they're the most adorable thing ever. I think there's actually, oh, it's like you can kind of see it right behind. Oh, me. yeah. That's like, yeah. That's um, a few of my swim friends and I, we did like a draw or I had her do a drawing of all of us together at the pool and gave that to, had that framed and had it, gave it to my friends last year for, for Christmas. So I do think that's a great gift. And, but it came up because Julia actually won the sprint distance race at Challenge Florianopolis in Florianopolis, Brazil this last weekend. So congratulations to her. Uh, because I did, I, I mean, I guess it's shoulder season, it's off season for some of us, but there were some, a lot of racing this past weekend. So, uh, did you follow any of the action in Cozumel? I saw a little bit. I know that there was, um, a canceled swim in, in Cozumel, which I think that swim's always kind of, I think it's just very windy there this time of year, especially. And so I think that swim tends to either be really fast or canceled. I feel like. I know it is a bummer. I mean, no one wants to see the swim canceled, but usually if that does happen, there is a safety concern, but, uh, did not stop Gertzi Fradas from, I believe, defending her title there and uh, her championship from last year and winning, uh, which is also great to see because I think she was unable to start in Kona because she got ill. And so obviously recovered, came back, I think ran a 249 marathon to finish up a very fast day in Cozumel. Svenja Thos came off of Kona, finished second there. And then Marlene Helen DeBoer from the Netherlands was third. So really, really good racing to round out the year. I mean, I know it's not over. I think there's still racing to be done in, in Australia, but, um, but fast, fast racing and in, in Cozumel and then, uh, four delays of 70.3 was the other, uh, bigger Ironman race this past weekend with a pro field and Ellie Salthouse, uh, won that race. I think this was also a very windy, very hot, very hot in Brazil this past weekend. Um, and race. So Ellie won Raquel Roca in second and Rachel Olson came away with that third place podium spot there. So congratulations to everyone who raced. I think the conditions were obviously very hot and um, windy and yet we got some good time. So good job, everyone. And you know what race coming up that I feel like could also be hot and windy and throw some curveballs at people is the Ultraman World Championships, which um, happens every year. It starts the Friday after Thanksgiving. So it's kind of particularly special timing for the folks going over there to race. And um, I know that Amy Robitaille, who we talked to last year, she was the overall winner of Ultraman Canada and she will be racing there. And I think Haley, you counted the women lining up. We, do we think six, six? Women oh, eight. I think there eight. were eight, okay, eight women out of 40. So, and I mean, we, we highlighted this race last year with uh DD Griesbauer and Leanda cave racing and just, uh, this, incredible showdown with so many strong women and it was incredible. And I think this year is, is going to shape up to be just as incredible. And it's such a fun race to watch because it's kind of old school tracking where you're going through, uh, you know, social media and following the Ultraman, you know, social media accounts, but they do a really good job and it goes on for three days. And so it's one of those things as you're like in your post Thanksgiving super, if you're coming from the United States, you can kind of, uh, you know, follow people exercising all day long for three days. Uh, and I do think it's exciting. Amy, who kind of gave us a preview on the show last year, uh, wasn't able to race last year because I think she's a teacher and it just takes a lot of, she's a teacher in Canada. She doesn't necessarily get those days off. So it takes a lot of planning on her part to, to have the days off to travel to Hawaii and race these Ultraman world championships. And I'm excited to see her able to make the trip this year. And it will be really fun to see what she did because she did, she won overall men and women at Ultraman Canada in 2022. So we know that, uh, you know, she has what it takes. So it'll be fun to see what she can do on the course as well as, uh, all the other women. I mean, it's, it's definitely, as we know, the big Island, uh, is, is a, uh, unique place to race and anything can happen. So that'll be, if I'm looking forward to following, following the events there. Yeah. It's going to be, like you said, it is a little bit of old school tracking, but it's gotten better in recent years. And um, I think we'll be able to to get some updates kind of along the way. And I'm excited to see what unfolds there too. 
Um, and Haley, should we dig into the mailbag? Are you ready? And for I'm this? so excited. We got a mailbag question. Uh, thank you to, to our listener who, who wrote in. And if anyone else does want to write into our mailbag, that email address is ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We're here and ready to answer nearly all of your questions. All right. So this question comes from Courtney and Haley, I think you are Courtney's coach as well. So um, I appreciate that she sent this question into the mailbag though, because it is a great one for everyone out there to kind of get to hear our thoughts on. And she is wondering, um, what do we do during the off season to combat post racing blues? She loves having races to work towards as it is really motivating for her. And she does still have one race left this season, but she's already dreading the off season that is quickly approaching. So it's her first full year triathlon. So it's her first official off season, which is exciting. So looking for our advice to help with this and great, great question, Courtney Haley, coach Haley, what are your first thoughts? <laughs> well, I can give this from, uh, from my perspective as an athlete and my perspective as a coach, which I think are slightly different. Cause sometimes it's like, do what I say, not what I do. <laughs> um, and I do think, uh, the women's performance, or I guess it, the Kona, uh, they did a Kona episode, a bonus episode about off season and post-race blues that you can actually find on the feisty triathlon podcast feed. So if you scroll down, I think it came out like November 2nd. So a few weeks ago. So I think if you want more on this topic, uh, definitely listen to that episode, but my, as an athlete, I'll start there as an athlete. Um, I mean, I, I've been, I'm like five weeks into off season, I guess right now. And I did have pretty bad post-race blues after Kona. I think I, I reflect on like, why, why did I have post-race blues? And I think I had an incredible summer of training, um, just excellent weather was able to, you know, hit sessions that I haven't been able to for a long time. My training was really good. I felt really fit, got to go to Hawaii and just had the most incredible time in Hawaii with the all women's Kona. Uh, the lead up to the race was so special and getting to reunite with so many people. And I had six athletes racing. So as a coach, it was a really special event. And then the actual race went really well. I went out, got my Kona PR and just had this incredible, incredible experience. And so I think because things were so good is one reason that the come down is a little bit extra hard. Um, so I have to recognize like, first of all, like this is, is a hard time because things were so good. And I'm so glad things were so good because that was an incredible lifelong experience. Um, and then coming off of that, I think one thing I have done pretty well is I've really prioritized like social time in a way that I'm unable to do sometimes during the season because I'm either too tired or just, I get very focused and I, you know, me traveling to a friend's birthday or something like that doesn't really happen, um, during the season. And so I was able to do that during this time. Um, I celebrate my friends, Megan's 40th by running a half marathon with her. I celebrated, um, my friend Betty's 60th by just going to Atlanta for one night for dinner. Um, which is, seems kind of crazy, but again, it, it, you can do some crazy things. I uh, I spent some time with my sister in New York City. I spectated a marathon, which is um was incredible. Like I think that was incredible. And I wouldn't during the season necessarily spend that much time on my feet uh out there and running around New York City, but I'm still fit enough to do that thanks to the training from Kona. But then uh, you know, was able to just sort of enjoy it and then enjoy some of the food and beverages that I might not partake in during the season because I'm not worried as much about my sleep, not worried as much about my GI system and, uh, and that kind of thing. So I think doing whatever those things are, and maybe Courtney is able to have a robust social life while training. So that isn't her thing, but there's probably something that takes a back burner during your main season or your buildup to your race. And now can move to the front. And so you can work on some of those relationships or you can work on doing certain activities that might not be the best thing during the season, staying up late, that kind of thing. So I think enjoying that thing. I also think that planning for, you know, uh, the next season can help a little bit, like maybe signing up for a race, even if it's far away 
in the distance or, or doing a race that you wouldn't normally do like running that half marathon. I don't normally, you know, do many road races, but it's like, okay, I have a little bit of fitness and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to dress up it as a costume, you know, which I wouldn't normally do and have a little bit of fun with it, even though, um, it's, I'm taking it at a different level of seriousness than I might, uh, a race where I'm trying to earn prize money. So I think that, you know, still doing something in the athletic sphere, but in a different way can also be really, really, really fun. Um, you know, if, if, people, if there are holiday races around this time of year, like go jump in it and, you know, dress up as a Turkey, <laughs> um, that kind of thing. I think that that can be a good way to still be engaged in the athletic community, but not, uh, in that super serious way that you might've been during the season. Yeah. All good tips. I think that, um, my line of thinking is, is pretty similar. I think, you know, my season this year was very unique and my off season was kind of punctuated with, knee surgery. So it was, you know, not so much under my control of an off season as it typically would be. And it didn't really go as much as I planned. Um, like, you know, as much as I normally would have planned, like typically my off season would be, like you said, some unstructured, more social time, that sort of thing. And then probably picking, like you said, holiday races, or maybe like a swim camp or something like one of the big weaknesses that I want to work on athletically and going after that. But this has been interesting because it has like really kind of, taken me out of the athletic sphere of things to be able to focus on for an off season. And so, you know, I have a different perspective now on that. And one thing is that I would say is I do, you know, I encourage people for sure to pick those things like a swim camp or something, you know, a weakness they want to kind of work on and build during the off season, but also do make sure you lean into at least, you know, I really think a couple weeks of really low volume, if anything, like, you know, if you're someone who really secretly and underneath it all, you want to take time just completely off, like do that. Right. And just trust in the fact that, you know, especially Courtney, your coach Haley will get you back in shape plenty fine. I am sure. Right. No matter how much time you kind of want to take as an unstructured time during, during your off season, I always check in with my athletes and say, you know, I'm writing choice for a week. Do you want two weeks? Do you want three weeks? Right. Like, let me know, because I really believe if you are someone that can lean in heavily to that, like we've seen multiple times on occasion where some of the best fitness comes after times of some of our like most unfit times. And that's what I keep telling myself too, right? I look at Lucy Charles Barkley, who was taking time off with that hip injury last year and, you know, getting unfit, so to speak. And then she came back and was able to, you know, granted, we all don't have the Red Bull Performance Center helping us in our journey back to fitness, but we do have really good coaches on our side and uh, communities and friends who, and like, you can get the fitness back, right? We've seen it time and time again now to know that. So definitely lean into that kind of unstructured time off um, and, and take it, you know, I challenge you to take it even if you don't want it um, and see, see if you can challenge yourself in that way. And then the second thing I think I would really encourage people to kind of look at in their off season is a, within their community, just, you know, not in the athlete realm. Um, something I have really kind of stepped into within my community is various roles on uh, within the town on like the conservation commission and volunteering with a local nonprofit and, you know, just things within my community where they need, they need help. Um, I come from a particularly small town, but I think these are everywhere. And as an athlete, you're a hard worker, you're determined, you're good at being punctual and going to meetings and, you know, being healthy. And that's like all great things that leaders in a community should have. And so being that really good athlete makes you like a really great candidate for a good citizen in your community to help out where, um, you know, it's needed. And so I would really encourage you to try and find that. And that way, you know, God forbid you do get injured or, you know, things happen. You have been developing this other side of yourself that you can kind of balance out the good and the bad times of being an athlete with. And I think it helps keep you like having a good perspective on the world around you too, if you can do some of that. So um, definitely, you know, look into that and see what's there. It could be still like on the borderline of being an athlete, right? Like coaching a little kid's team or like volunteering with little Bella's or something, right? Like um, that you find, but I think it can be good to take off that like full on athlete hat from time to time and see what athlete skills you can put into practice outside of that. Um, yeah. but this is a great great advice. Yeah. I I also think 
as you come back, it is important to like ease back into things. But I mm-hmm. also think I, I agree with the unstructured time because I think the pressure of having a training plan, sometimes it can get to be a lot. But I think that as you come back, I mean, I love like right now just going for like a one hour bike ride mm-hmm. or yeah. a 30 minute run or a mm-hmm. 30 minute walk or going and swimming like 2k. Yes. You know, it's like you kind of <laughs> yeah. get that buzz, but you don't get the fatigue and it just feels good. And you might be able to see your friends at the pool, that kind of thing. Um, ease back into it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the hard work is coming. So enjoy this time or the hard work you, you're still doing. You still, Courtney still has a race, but, um, but you know, you've done some hard work. You have definitely, no matter what earned a break. And this does, this actually reminds me of this week's episode, our interview with, um, Ann Reichman. She actually talks about a time when she, um, was injured and what, and wasn't able to do her race. And what she did after that was actually go on vacation, which I think that is something that I really admire because I do think sometimes we need that. We think we need that perfect race to like earn an off season. Mm -hmm. And so if your race doesn't go how you wanted, you still earn that off season. You still, you know, need to take that break. Um, even if you don't even get to the start line, take that vacation, take that downtime because it is important. And, and, in all likelihood in the long term it will pay off you'll be back to hard training you'll be back to racing and because you took that break you might be there better than ever yeah yeah great question courtney and for our other listeners feel free to send in your mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com yes and i already did preview a little bit we have a great conversation with <clears throat> excuse me ann reichman who is the uh pto ranked number 23 athlete in the world. She won a couple half distance races in Europe has been 10th at the 70.3 world championship for the past three years. Alyssa, can you, that's like some consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's like very different, uh, conditions in St. George and different courses, St. George and Lottie Finland, but managed 10th place three years in a row. Uh, she finished eighth at the PTO us open in Milwaukee. Most recently she punched her ticket to nice, the, the women's world championship in nice. They'll be happening in 2024 with a second place finish at Ironman Portugal. She raced, uh, she finished that race in eight hours and 55 minutes. It was just her second attempt at the distance. So Anne's background is in running and she actually ran track at the university of Iowa. So we'd talk about that. And she's a German athlete. She calls Switzerland home. That's where I talked to her and we'll have that full conversation right after a word from our sponsors. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the iron woman podcast. Hello everyone. Thanks for having me here. So I think we're recording this during, uh, what I would call your off season. You came off a really spectacular 2023 race season. So what does off season look like for you? Actually, I've started getting back into training on Monday, so uh, it's a fourth day of training now. I just took two weeks off um, where I did absolutely nothing, Uh, like no swimming, no biking, no running, no strength. Um, I did go surfing a bit, uh, just walking around, but no training. Um, But yeah, since Monday, I'm I'm back into a sort of a routine. And um, yeah, this year it's only taken me two weeks to recover and to get motivated for for another year and to start planning again and getting excited for races. And for example, last year it took me five weeks, so it can vary a bit. Um, this year it's been much quicker. Maybe also with the prospect of racing Nice next year, I got really excited right away. And last year after having a tough year, it took me just a bit longer to get back um, to fuel, uh, like to fuel the motivation and just get excited for the races and to get excited to plan camps and everything. Um, So yeah, but this year it's been a lot quicker. So I'm back to some sort of light training. Yeah. Are you an athlete who likes a day off? Are you, I mean, you taking two weeks with almost nothing. Is that, is that fun for you? Uh, Yeah. I, I never understand people who don't enjoy a day off. Um, I'm perfectly happy just being at home and not having to go outside and move for like for a day or two. Obviously, if you do that for a longer period, then uh, the urge to go outside and move outside comes back naturally. But with that much training going on for a majority of the year, it's sometimes nice to just stay inside and uh, yeah, do stuff at home. I'm I'm really I find it really easy. Yeah, and I believe you're German, but home is Switzerland. Is that right? Yeah. I was born and raised in Germany and I'm now living in Switzerland because my husband works here. So that's why we moved to Switzerland and it's perfect for training here, to be honest. 
Yeah. And only four days into the, the, I guess, 2024 season, uh, how do you ease back into things? Is it mostly aerobic? Are you looking at paces? Are you going by heart rate or are you just kind of going by feel? So like I was talking to my coach yesterday and he said, you scare me a bit because it's way too early now. So I feel like he's giving me a program that is more like off season related still um, for the next two weeks. So it's very easy. I have usually two sessions a day between like 30 minutes and maybe 90 minutes. So quite short. And um, the intensity is very easy, mostly by feel a little bit by heart rate, but not looking at the pace at all. So I did a morning run um, today and I ran for like 20 minutes, five minute drills, another 20 minutes, and then I was done something like that. So nothing too serious, but just getting some sort of routine back. And you finished your race season at Ironman Portugal, where you finished second in a time of eight hours and 55 minutes. How do you feel about your performance there? Oh, I, I love that race. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, Last year I did Ironman Cozumel and I did not enjoy it at all. And it kind of, it left me a bit with question marks if I, maybe I'm not just not built for the Ironman distance um, and I ra should rather stick with the half distance races. But this year I really, I really enjoyed the whole, the whole day in Portugal from, from start to finish. Obviously it got very hard at one point, but um, yeah, it was such a great atmosphere along the course that gave me energy back and I crossed the finish line just feeling just feeling happy and um, then I re realized I ran sub three hours for the marathon which was a kind of a dream goal as well and to have have that ticked off uh, feels also really great and Marjolaine just had a phenomenal race I was I had a good day I felt good I did the best I could and still got beaten so um yeah hats off to her and her performance and Obviously, uh, as she's from Nice uh, and has a home race next year as a World Champs race, it was very special for her as well and uh, to, to make the qualification um, for the for the World Champs next year. Right. Was the Nice slot the goal going into the race in Portugal? Um, yeah, it was it was a goal. But when you don't have much experience for the full distance, I guess a lot of things can go wrong, as I experienced it last year. So. Um, I have a I've had a couple of goals in mind, but I also wanted to stay flexible um, and just see how I'm feeling and adapt and make smart choices, just to have also a good day. Um, not focusing too much, um, especially on the bike at the beginning. I just lost time uh, on everyone, um, but I managed to stay calm and just stick to my numbers. And I think that was looking back quite quite good. Um, but then obviously the slot got a lot further away in that moment. Um, but then again, it's such a long day and so many things can happen as, as I guess, you know, as well, having done, I don't know how many hours you finished, but more than um, I can count. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what I'm thinking, but uh, <laughs> keep showing up yeah. for those. Um, yeah. like you mentioned, this was your second Ironman and it did go a lot better. Were there lessons that you learned from the first one that you were able to execute better in the second one, maybe knowing it's a long day and knowing those early moments, something can go wrong and it, it still might turn around things like that. Yeah. So I've had a very tough year last year. I've, I've had some crashes and broke some, some bones. And so had to take some time off during the season. And I was never really sure if I make it fit on the starting line of 70.3 wells in St. George. So I just wanted to have something at the end of the year that I'm excited about and where I don't have any pressure or expectations. So I kind of convinced or maybe forced my coach to do that, even though the preparation was more 70.3 orientated. And I guess the biggest learning for me was that I need to have a specific training block for a full distance. I just can't do it a couple of weeks after 70.3 races and not having done long runs or long bike rides and, and expect myself to do well. So this year we've done it completely differently. I've had a very specific training block after 70.3 worlds as well. Um, just, I guess it was six weeks of training and then one week for taper um, and that worked really well. Um, so that was the biggest learning experience from from Cozumel. But I'm also glad, I'm still glad I did it last year because 
I would have annoyed every single one around me with uh, because I, I really wanted to do an Ironman. And I think if I wouldn't have done it in Cozumel, I probably would have raced an Ironman earlier in 2023. And that would have meant I couldn't have done the PTO races and maybe not uh, another 70.3 worlds. Um, so I'm quite glad I had the fun race in Cozumel um, and then could focus on 70.3 and half distances earlier this year and then a long distance at the end of this year. Yeah, in the long term, it all worked out. We were chatting in Milwaukee earlier this year, and and you mentioned racing Cozumel because I think the flight worked better to to stop in Mexico on your way back to Germany or back to Switzerland um, after those seventy point three worlds in Saint George. So you did you you raced an Ironman just a few weeks after your tenth place finish in Saint George, and I I don't think many people like base their Ironman decisions on just flight patterns, but it it seemed like it it worked out long term for you. Yeah, it was a, a funny story as I um I've booked flights for Edmonton and uh, for the PTO race and then I couldn't race there because I've broke my elbow before. So I had to rebook everything just but within the airline. So I needed to find a race locations where the airline was flying to and which was uh luckily Las Vegas for uh, St. George and then um Cozumel uh to get back. So it worked out perfectly. And uh, but as I said, like I really wanted to have a race at the end of the season last year to just not have that much pressure. And then it was I think Arizona was another option and Israel. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do Cozumel. It's a lovely place. It's like paradise. Uh, So it was yeah, it was also good just to get some sunshine in and to escape the rainy and gray November weather in Switzerland. Yes. And going back to, to Portugal as a, a race location, I, I think from social media, it looked like you spent a little bit of vacation time in Portugal post-race. And I know some of our listeners might be interested in these racecations, you know, doing a, an Ironman and then spending a, a little bit of time at that location as a vacation afterwards. And Cosmel sounds like it might be a good one. These are end of the season races. Uh, would you recommend Portugal as a place to race and then take a little a little vacation afterwards? Uh, yeah, I mean, Portugal is a very nice country, and especially Lisbon was, uh, it's just a, probably one of my favorite cities I've been to. There's so many little spots you can check out, and you could, we didn't really have a plan. We just walked around and found those random cute places where we just enjoyed our time. I was there with my husband for, I think, eight days. And then at the beginning, we also went a bit further north to go surfing they're like very famous surf spots I'm a total beginner so I have no idea how to surf but it was so much fun just trying to stand on a board and then sometimes falling off sometimes uh, being able to stand on it and um, there's a famous um, surf spot for big wave surfing where we went to just and tried to watch it's called Nazaré and it has the biggest waves uh, in the world Uh, unfortunately when we got there the waves were pretty were not not spectacular but um I, we watched some videos and just yeah it's just crazy how how big the waves can get there speaking for the race it was it was really well organized but it was lots of people on the especially in the bike course um it was a two loop bike course i'm not sure how they go forward in the future because for the professionals it was really tricky sometimes to to make the way through all the age groupers and um, we were riding on the left-hand side of the road, and so you had to stay left and overtake on the right. And maybe 20% got that rule, and the other 80% were just riding on the right-hand side, overtaking left, which obviously led to some dangerous situations. Um, so I'm not sure how they're going to do that in the future. But other than that, it was it was a very fun race, and they had a 70.3 race as well. Um, so when I got on the run course, it was really busy, but I really liked that because there were so many people cheering you on and you always had someone to target and to overtake. And uh, so I really liked having people around me on the run course and not being entirely on my own all the time. And so before your your build into Portugal, you had a really interesting block of 
around the world racing. You finished eighth at the PTO US Open in Milwaukee, 15th at the PTO U- or Asian Open at, in Singapore, which was only two weeks after Milwaukee, and then 10th at the 70.3 Worlds in Finland, which was only one week after Singapore. So can you tell us about the planning and logistics that went into those races? Oh, it was um, it was a bit crazy, to be honest. I planned everything for Milwaukee and for Finland. That was were the two races I was I knew quite early I wanted to do. Um, and then I I was in a training camp in Switzerland with Imogen Simmons, and we both got an email saying, "Hey, would you want to race uh, Singapore?" And then I thought, oh, I'm not sure. Like three big races uh, within just four weekends, a travel around the world. Um, not sure if that's too much. It sounds it sounds just crazy and something I've never done before. But then my coach and also my my family <laughs> encouraged me to do it, just to try and, and see how I how I'll do and if I'll do uh, it, two good races out of the three, um, that should be should be good. Um, so then we spent Imo and I spent the little free time in a training camp, just with rebooking flights, canceling flights, trying to find accommodation and stuff like that. So it was, it was pretty stressful. But um, then, like the travel went quite smooth. There was no, I had no issues with like bikes being lost or somewhere, um, no flight delays or anything. And funny enough, I did not have any jet lag, like. I guess I was just so tired. Um, I fell asleep right away when I and wherever I was, and I did not struggle with that at all. So it was a very fun experience to see, like how also the body copes with uh, all the travel and obviously also the, all the races going on. Um, yeah, not sure if if I get the chance to do that again, but I'm glad I I decided to give it a go, even though Singapore wasn't my best race, but. Um, Finland went well and in Milwaukee I had a nice run battle with you which was also fun um and uh yeah it was it was a good time that was very fun for me to chase you for uh five laps (laughs) of that run but um I uh I I am curious about Singapore because 15th is is not obviously what you were targeting but you did rebound to finish 10th in Finland and so like do you have any uh advice for someone who has a bad race has another one on on the horizon and how can you turn things around like that so in i was in singapore i was i was so confident which was which is a bit ironical because i felt really good going into the race a lot better than going into milwaukee and to finland um but then like i lost my nutrition which is a mistake that i guess has happened to a lot of people and I made some very stupid mis- uh, decisions afterwards, which led that I was running completely out of energy on the run course. And then I I kind of sensed that I'm running out of sugar, I'm running out of energy. I'm like, I felt dizzy and I was on my own there. So it was, it was quite difficult to make the decision, but I decided to finish, but to stop kind of racing, which is always a, just, I don't know if you've experienced it, but it's, it's not a nice feeling if you stop racing and um I still wanted to finish though and um but also save my legs a bit for for Finland and looking back I think that was that was a good decision to make I knew I'm not uh, maybe I'm getting 14th but maybe maybe not (laughs) and just wasting myself and digging myself in a even deeper hole because of the mistake of not fueling enough and um Luckily, um, my friend Imo had a great race, so that really helped uh, getting a little bit of the negativity out of the way. Uh, I was very happy for her, and then like having good talks with uh, my coach and my family um, on the phone that night, and just trying to digest the whole thing, and also giving myself a bit time to be sad and to be frustrated um, helped me to go back to and like to get excited for Finland pretty soon afterwards so not yeah I think you can't really hide or just push it away the negativity you you've got to let it uh, let it come and hit you a a bit uh, in order to also to to move forward and I knew I what the reason was and 
I just tried to stay positive uh, for Finland. But I must say I was very relieved that Finland was a good race because um, then if that wouldn't have gone well, then you, you start doubting and asking yourself all those questions that you want you don't want to ask yourself, right? Yeah. Are you an athlete that gets nervous for races? Um, yeah, well, I, I get excited. I love racing is my most favorite part of the whole triathlon thing. I'm more an athlete that sometimes gets sick of training, to be honest. Like I can, uh, two or three weeks of training is fine. And then I want to race. I, I know that people, other people, they just, they can train and train and train and they enjoy that. And then, um, don't do many races. And I'm someone I really enjoy racing. So I'm not like nervous, but in a positive way and not nervous in an anxious way, I'd say. Um, but yeah, nervous is good. It, it also says, shows you that it means something uh, to you, the race, and it has like a, a value or a meaning. Um, and it also helps you to, uh, to, to show your best performance. Um, it's just, I don't know, but for example, when you run, race pace in training it feels super hard but when you run race pace in the race at the beginning at least it feels it feels okay it feels good because you just uh the adrenaline hits and it helps you just pushing uh, a bit harder than you usually can and this was your third year in a row that you finished 10th at the 70.3 world championships but on instagram you called finland your best 10th place finish so what do you mean by that yeah, I'm not sure if anyone managed to come to make the same place three times in a, in a row at uh, World Champs race. I obviously would have wanted to finish a bit higher, but I think this time um, the field was, again, a bit more stacked than the previous years. Um, and just if you look at the numbers on the bike and also on the run where you can compare a bit um, to the previous years, it was better than, than the last few years. On a swim, I find it quite hard to compare because um, you never, like, I never know if it's the same length or and if the the swim is just like, just their faster swims, their slower swims, it's uh, not as easy to compare. But I did not have that much. Um, I wasn't back that far as, for example, in 2022. Um, so I, yeah, I think that was the best all around performance um, on, on a World Champs race. But obviously, you also grow as an athlete and develop, hopefully, over the years. So um, in 2021, that was just um, the race I had in St. George was a, a very big surprise for everyone, including myself. Like, I, I I didn't know I was I could do that. It was, yeah, I was swimming and I saw um, Sky Munch and Kat Matthews next to me. And I, I thought, well... I don't know what I'm doing here. This is not usually not my swim group. Um, and then riding with those two on the bike, I, I thought, well, I just try and see how long I can stay there. So it was, it was just a, a day full of surprises. And this obviously the expectations get bigger and bigger after a race like that. Um, and I'm I'm grateful and also a bit proud that I managed to to show like a performance like that um, again and show that it's not just a, a one hit wonder, I guess. Yeah. And I believe your sports background is in track running and you actually ran for the University of Iowa. So what was it like to run at Iowa? Yeah, I so I was running. I've been running from all my life. I started when I was maybe three or four years old. We have like those kids runs um, where half the kids start crying when the gun goes off. Um, I'm not sure if you have that in the U.S. as well, but it's, it's very funny <laughs> to watch now. And then um yeah, in college, decided that I'd like to um, to study abroad. And um, there were quite some athletes in Germany who who went to the U.S. Um, to study there because the the system that is built around the sport is just you, you really can't compare it. In Germany, you almost get no support when you're studying and trying to do uh, sports on a elite level. Um, so I was very grateful to get the opportunity to uh, run and uh, study in Iowa. Um, I love being. I love being in Iowa. I really liked it there. I met great people. Um, I did not have the best races there. Um, it was also very challenging, um, just being away from 
I met my now husband a couple of months before before I left and felt a bit homesick at the beginning um, and also to be honest gained a little weight which did not help my running um, at all but um, I think it also made me a bit stronger and just shaped me as a person as well and um, I'm still following a lot of the the other athletes I met in Iowa uh, on their social media and um, yeah it's just yeah it's just a great um, it was a great year. Yeah. And so you were Iowa through the 2015 season, I believe. And I think I read that you had a knee injury in 2016 that led to your first triathlon. Do I have that right? Um, Exactly. Yeah. I had runner's knee. Um, I'm sure like it's a pretty common uh, injury and maybe some of the listeners uh, suffer from it as well. Um, I also, I was part of a program in Germany where we would run a lot of miles, which was probably wasn't the best for me uh, looking back. And so I'm not very surprised I got those knee issues. Um, and then I, I I, obviously had to bike and, and swim to keep fit. That's what a runner who's injured just does. And um, I, to keep my motivation high, I, I, I thought, you know what, if I not, don't qualify for nationals on the track for the 5K, I just do a triathlon race that is the same weekend. And then I'll see. And I try to qualify for nationals, but if it doesn't happen it's not the end of the world. I just do the triathlon instead. And so I did not qualify um, and race the triathlon race. I think I came fifth or sixth in a board tri suit. And it was like I was thinking placing shoes after the pool so I can put on shoes and run to transition instead of running barefoot, like lots of stupid mistakes. I also it was a non-drafting race, but I didn't know that it's not allowed um, to stay behind someone's wheel. So I drafted uh, until someone called me out <laughs> and I said, wait, it's not allowed to, to just ride in a group or what? Um, it, looks, it looks different on TV. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it. And um, I think also that the fun part was something I've missed on the track because it was very focused on times and uh, the rankings. And yeah, I'm... Maybe I also lost a little bit of the belief to to be competitive um, on the highest level and on the track. So it was a nice exchange having something I just truly enjoy doing. And then that's, I think, at the end of the day, what's most important that you just enjoy um, the sport you're doing and not having the feeling of just doing it because people expect you to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's I have never been running on the track well uh, racing on a track since then so I'm not yeah. I don't miss it also <laughs> and you are one of the strongest cyclists in triathlon right now did the bike just come naturally to you uh yeah I well I, I enjoy riding my bike a lot I've had I have a lots of hills around me where the legs get stronger naturally as well um but I I think I might have maybe the talent I'm lacking in the water I maybe have on the bike um, because, yeah, it just I don't have to do that much on the bike to to get stronger for, for now, at least. Maybe that's going to change. But, um, yeah, it's to to process uh, to develop uh, on the bike is feels a bit more easy than, um, for example, in the water. And, yeah, I have I've had the fastest bike split in Ibiza, which gave me a lot of attention, um, which was great on one hand side, but on the other hand, like I've, I had a good bike there, but I had in Milwaukee, I've almost had, had the same numbers. So I think there were also some tactical things that the front group was doing. Um, so not just having had the best bike split doesn't mean I'm the best biker, you know, like there's always other decisions in a race or like other things in a race going on that um, leads people to make decisions um, on the bike to push harder to save more energy for the run etc so because um, then a lot of people ask me after 70.3 Kreischka which was two weeks after Ibiza I think I had the fifth bike, bike split, split there and they said why didn't you have the fastest bike split and I said well I don't know I tried my best but at the end of the day it's not about who has the fastest splits it's who um crosses the finish line first and um whatever gets you there um that's that's just how it is 
Earlier, you mentioned fellow pro Imogen Simmons, and I believe you have trained together both in Switzerland. I think you might have trained together in Thailand before PTO Singapore and in Finland before the 70.3 World Championships. And and you did mention Imo had great races. She finished fourth and third, respectively, at both of those events. Can you talk about your training dynamic and what appears to be a genuine friendship between the two of you? Um, so, so we have we have the same coach, which makes um training together obviously a lot easier um it always the plans just match each other uh, perfectly and uh we just we get along with each other very well even though we are quite different um and sometimes I feel like we it's not good if we spend too much time together so like training and living together can be a bit much sometimes so um we make sure we are that we also give space to each other like just having some time on your own and then also um yeah then getting excited to do training sessions together again um and Imo especially she's um she's so strong in training and she really pushes me to uh to really suffer and sometimes I'm more maybe a, a person that goes a bit easier <laughs> so uh in very intense uh training camps for example it's good to have someone who helps you push a little bit harder and run a bit faster but then on the other hand I think I also help her to do the easy sessions a little bit easier so um, I think even though we're different we help each other quite well and um, that we get along each other um, is obviously a, a big big bonus and just enjoy each other's company. Can you tell us more about your coach? Yeah my coach is Reto Brendli he's a Swiss coach and I've met him three years ago um he's for me he's the, the perfect coach we have a very close relationship and exchange uh during the racing season lots of messages and um like calls and everything and are quite honest um I'd say about the good things but also about the negative things so he really helps me to be also honest about my my weaknesses and by my mistakes maybe and helps me to find solutions for those weaknesses to get better because there's no there's no point in in thinking oh I'm I'm doing well in every single part and then maybe that's not exactly true um and um yeah he's live he's living in in Zurich which is not far away from me um and so we we don't see each other that often but sometimes so when when anything happens um like we're very close and it's just you just jump in the car and then you're there so it's it's very easy and um yeah it's it's a lot of fun um uh, doing the training and obviously seeing the development also is encouraging for for me but also I think for him to just to continue and to get better and I think he's also very open-minded um he knows that he's not an expert in every part so he's always looking out for people who are experts, for example, in aerodynamics or in nutrition or in um, working with a mental, um, with a sports psychologist and helping me to find a network with like lots of experts or people who have specialized in one area to get the the best support team possible, which I really think um, is, is a great way of doing because right now what a sport gets more and more complex and it's hard to keep up uh, with like every single part on a very high level. And so do you train with a group or is most of your training alone or if Imogen is around, you get to train with one other person? Um, mostly I train alone when I'm home in, um, in Switzerland, but I did go on camps quite a lot the past or like the past season where I often had Imo or Sarah Svensk, who's also coached by Rito um as a training buddy um but for example the build-up to iron portugal i did on my own i <laughs> i went to mallorca uh for two and a half weeks completely alone uh which felt a bit strange at the beginning um but then it worked out really well and when you when you're on your own you sometimes find easier training partners who are there um than if you go somewhere with a group so um, Patrick Langer reached out and said, hey, why don't you come over and you can join our ride? Um, and so that was that that 
was also very nice um to to get like a writing company done but i can yeah i'm also okay with just training on my own it's maybe not in the swim i wish i would have a group for swimming here uh just it helps it would help me a lot um but right now it's it's a bit tricky finding a group of people um who swim the same time obviously i can swim when everyone else is working um which is good because then the pool is empty but that also means they're not uh, they're not a lot of people around and are you a data focused athlete in your training or do you go more with the flow um i i like to look at my data um yeah if Preto gives me a number for the bike or a range i like to stick with it um but especially when i'm not feeling great i obviously take my my feeling and or like my if i'm feeling i take it into account that i'm not feeling uh, very good um then i might just reduce the the watts a little bit on the bike or um shorten it i think i'm i'm also not shy of just cutting sessions short to be honest um because i've i've had so many injuries when i was running where i just pushed through the pain so i know i'm I'm tough enough. I, I don't have to prove myself that in training. Um, and I'd rather cut a session short instead of being like super, super tired the next few days and not able to train properly or even ending up injured. And um, it's not, it doesn't come super easy because um, obviously as an athlete, you'd always want to get the session done in the way it's planned. But when you do high volume and high intensity, you really have to be careful that it's not too much. And even the greatest coach, if he's not there and he can't, can't look in, into your face and sees how, you, how you're coping with the session and with all the stress that's going around, um, it's, it's hard for him to make the decision if it's m maybe not better just to call it a day or put the, the harder session on a different day and just take it easy on one day. And I think I got fairly good at that in the last few years also because I've had lots of negative experiences while being a runner and yeah I'm not sure if anyone who's had a a good race uh says oh I've I didn't train enough um in a week so and so I guess you rather hear the stories maybe I've pushed it too hard and then I'm I'm sick and I can't actually have a good race and you mentioned your your injury history and the broken elbow in 2022. Do you have advice if someone is listening and you know they are in the midst of injury for how they can come back from that and and maybe even prevent it from happening in the future? I guess um, even the the most careful and the the best prepared athlete in the world, there is always a small chance of 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 injury or getting sick. Um, I think also a very good example is Zora Phillip before the Ironman World Champs in St. George. I can only imagine she paid so much attention and still she got COVID and that was super, super sad for her. So there's always a, a little chance that something happens. Um, I broke the elbow in the middle of June last year. So it was in the middle of the racing season. And But what helped me go come back quite quickly was just focusing on the things I can do. I mean, I couldn't go swimming at the beginning. I couldn't go running or biking. So I went on a vacation and uh, enjoyed my time off and did things I usually can't do in the summer, which was also great. And then after 10 days of that, I was, I felt a, mentally a lot fresher and I was excited to, uh, to get back into training, but also there are so many other things as an athlete or as a triathlete, you need to pay attention and, so I looked at my equipment, thought maybe I can change or improve something there. I restarted a YouTube channel uh, in that period where we just had some a bit more free time. And so there were also always things that I could do. And um, I tried to focus on those things instead. And instead of just thinking, oh, I can't swim now. This is bad. And my life is bad, you know. Um, so that just help. I think it helps just focusing on the things you can do and not stressing too much about the things you actually can't do and honestly also can't change. And I have looked at your YouTube channel. It has some beautiful, <laughs> beautiful video. Um, my German is 
not good. So I wasn't able to follow the commentary quite as closely as I would have liked, but can you tell us a little bit more about putting together the YouTube channel and what goes into that? Yeah. So as I said, it was kind of an idea that uh, started building in that um, period where I couldn't train. Um, and so we bought a camera and um, yes, yeah, started to get more into it, but we're still beginners, you know, we're, like, we're doing it all ourselves, the the filming and also the editing. Um, but we just wanted to give, um, well, if I say we, I mean, my husband and I, um, a little behind the scenes look, what's going on, like, what are the struggles? How am I getting ready for races? Um, I've had, for example, um, after Milwaukee, there was some negative talk about my swimming in the media, where I kind of struggled and just tell people that it's not always sunshine, but you also have some some parts that are not going um, great and how you cope with that. And we decided to do it in German just because um, we, we place the camera somewhere and then we just talk. And obviously I'm talking in German to my husband. It would feel very um, strange starting a conversation in English with him and also with my coach, for example. So. That's the main reason why we did it in German, um, even though a lot of people uh, can't really understand what we're talking about. So maybe, I'm not sure, maybe we're going to change it um, someday. It was more a project to see uh, if we like it, if that we can imagine doing it more often or if it's too much work or just not. If you're not feeling comfortable in front of a camera, then there's no point in doing a YouTube channel. Um, but yeah. Right now, we we want to continue, and we're actually working on the video for Portugal. It's since we're doing it ourselves, it's we are a bit late always. Um, so Portugal has been three weeks ago, but the video is still not out. But that's also because my husband has a normal job, and during the vacation, I, I said, "Well, there's we're not doing anything triathlon related now. We are just taking vacation time for ourselves, and not worry about YouTube or anything," um, which is. Yeah, which is also sometimes important. Yeah, I I like the German. I just I think I need to learn German so I can understand. I think it's cool <laughs> that you you're like filming videos of the, your conversations with your coach, which is like quite um, you know intimate in a way, and mm -hmm. probably you know it is pretty cool that everyone involved is is into this. Um, this is a very random question, but did your husband take your last name? Yeah, yeah, he did. Is yeah. that common in Switzerland and Germany? Um. It wasn't in the generation of my parents, but it's getting more and more common. Um, we had a couple of discussions when we before we got married, which name we're going to take. But in the end, I I won. <laughs> it's a great name. I mean, it's a great name. Um, and uh, so you are an athlete that has shown you can compete at the 100K PTO distance and also at Ironman races. And so with the announcement of this uh, expanded PTO series, time 2024 and also the Ironman race series with the opportunity to earn very large year-end bonuses have you given some thought to the structure of your 2024 season yeah um yes and no I think I really like that phase we're in right now making plans and thinking through different options uh for the next year and um I think I'm not focusing on the Ironman series to be honest because I, I have the slot now for Nice, uh, so I'm definitely going to do Nice, and I really want to do well there. But also having, I think, for the series to be competitive, you might have to do three Ironman races, and it's a very short period of time. And since I haven't done that many um, and still need quite a lot of time to recover and also get ready for it, um, yeah, it's too much uh, stress for my body. Um, and with the PTO races, I well, right now they're not, not every race is announced, so I'm still waiting on that to see. Um, but I really enjoyed the races, so I'd love to do um, at least one. Um, I love to go back to Singapore just because I thought it's an yeah, it's a spectacular venue. And even though I did not have the best race there, I yeah, it was it was still great, a great experience. And um, yeah, swimming in the Marina Bay and just riding the bike on the on the highways through town and running by all those amazing buildings was just very cool. Um, so I'd love to do that, but um guess the, the main race will be Nice in this, in September. I'm thinking of doing Challenge Roth, just 
just because I I was was spectating this year and it was it was amazing. It was also amazing because Daniela and Magnus had some uh, very good performances, but the whole atmosphere was just incredible. Have you have you raced Roth before? I have not. No, but I, okay. I it is one of those ones that's on the bucket list. Uh, it looks yeah. incredible. Yeah, I was. I yeah, never experienced something like that. So I love to do that, but um, it's not, nothing is set in stone yet. We're still trying to figure out all the options. But running the last five k in Portugal, I knew okay, if I'm just holding it together, I have the slot, and then I could race Challenge Roth. So it was a little bit of an extra motivational boost. Uh, to get the slot um but yeah still have haven't decided yet what we what we're doing um i mean 70.3 worlds at the end of the year is also uh an option but i'm not qualified yet so i would have to do a 70.3 race in the beginning of the year and then again um too many races uh yeah you, you just can't do a race every single weekend so you really have to pick a couple of races that you want to prepare for and then do well there so, yeah, lots of options. It's a great time to be a professional athlete right now. And um, yeah, it's I'm, I'm getting really excited right now just talking about it. I'm you're getting me excited, too. But <laughs> and thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been great getting to know you a little bit better. And I wish you the best of luck in your 2024 season as you uh, hopefully prep for Singapore, Roth, Nice and, and a lot of other fun races. And hopefully our paths will cross again. Yeah, thank you, Haley. Um, I'd love to see you soon at some races and obviously to you also all the best. Huge thanks to Anne for coming on the show and telling us more about her story. I'm excited to see how her 2024 season unfolds. And Alyssa, just a reminder for all of our, all of our listeners, you know, well, and Alyssa, check your mailbox. Cause I think you have one coming, but <laughs> feisty merch, the new, uh, women's sports fan club merch is at womensperformance.com forward slash fan club, uh, order for yourself or your favorite women's sports fan makes a great holiday gift or just a any day gift. Yeah. Send us your pictures of you wearing those, um, those items. We love to see them. And Haley, I got to go run to the post office. Hopefully mine's there. So uh, I will talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Alyssa. Talk to you later. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.